I want you to think about something this morning as we dive in. Is this all that God has for us? Or is there something more? Is this all that God wants to do or does he want to reveal himself as the unstoppable God that he is, whose name goes on and on, who, who, who can do things that, that, that we could never even, uh, we couldn't imagine or, or dream of? We're going to look at a text today uh, in, the, in the book of Exodus chapter 18. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Exodus. Uh, if you're not super familiar with the Bible, that's okay. Open the, open the cover of your Bible, the front cover of your Bible, you're going to get through like some indexes, a, a table of contents, probably some things about the, the translation that you're reading. Then you're going to come to the book of Genesis and thumb through the book of Genesis until you come to the second book in the Bible, the book of Exodus. And then you'll find some big numbers in there. Find the number 18 and stop. And we're going to read Exodus chapter 18 this morning. But I want to set the stage a little bit about where we're at in the text before we dive right in. So in Genesis, we, we find this creation story where, well, it's not the story, it is an account of creation, of God creating everything in the known universe by just simply speaking it into existence. It's pretty incredible to stop and think about, but we have to start there because if we don't believe that, it's really hard to believe what the rest of the Bible has to say to us. And so we start there, and, and over the course of the book of Genesis, as God tells the people to be fruitful and multiply, and, and, and the people begin to expand, and uh, he, he, he chooses a people for himself from, from a man named Abraham. He's going to be the, what, they, what he called the father of all nations, that he was going to bless him, and he was going to be, his offspring were going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so through Abraham, he blesses him and God's people begin to expand. We go through the rest of Genesis and I'm giving you a super abbreviated version of the book of Genesis. But we come to a point where these people that God had chosen wind up as slaves in the country of Egypt. And they're not treated well and they're enslaved for 400 years until finally God raises up a leader, a guy by the name of Moses. And he says, Moses, I want you to go in and I want you to set my people free. Now, it's important for us to grasp this idea here that these people are enslaved and they are going to be granted freedom. And so Moses goes in and that's where we get like the 10 plagues, the Nile turns to river, there's frogs and flies and locusts and all kinds of nasty stuff. And, and, and so long story short, Pharaoh finally lets God's people go. Now, you know what? If you're in slavery for a number of years and finally you experience freedom, you got to think to yourself, it doesn't get any better than this, right? Like you would think, it, it just doesn't get, I can choose. I'm not making bricks for Egyptian projects anymore. Like I get to wake up and choose what I get to do. And while that's good, like at the same time, they also found themselves in a place that never in their lives had they ever experienced. And so God begins to lead these people through the wilderness. And, 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 as they, as, and he begins to develop them. We come to a point in, in chapter 18 where, where they've been wandering in this, they've been wandering and, and, and they're, they're growing, but, but as they grow and they're finding this freedom, there become these complaints that begin arising. And you see it all through the, the, the book of Exodus where they, they're grumbling against God, they're grumbling against Moses. 
But the way that they were set up, and this was a huge number of people. I've read estimates where there were like, when, when the Egyptians set the Israelites free, like it could have been like a million people that just up and walked out of the country at one time. And so what we find in the book of Exodus, when there were disputes or there were things that needed to be taken care of, Moses was the guy that everybody would go to when, when, these, when these things would happen amongst God's people. And so where we're at today is, 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 is they have been set free, they've been growing, but they're beginning to understand that in order for them to be the people that God wants them to be, some things are gonna have to change because God's got something better for them. It's not just that freedom was good, that God has something better for them, but he has to prepare them for the thing that is better. And so in Exodus chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, I wanna set the stage, they're in the wilderness, Moses' father-in-law Jethro is coming to see uh, Moses. He's bringing Moses' wife to him. And, and it, it said in, in, in verse, about verse 10, Jethro kind of issues a blessing to the Lord. Uh, he's recognizing God's hand being on the people. But look at verse 13. So Mo, Moses, is, Moses and his father-in-law, his family all reunited. They're hanging out there. But the next day, like I can just picture Moses takes a day off. He's enjoying the time with his family. The next day, it's right back to work. And in verse 13, it says, And the next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. Now, understand this in the hot baking sun, for these people to hear their, for, for these people to have their disputes or their, their judgments heard, they, had, they stood all day long in the hot sun waiting to stand before Moses. And when Moses' father-in-law saw that it, all that what he was doing for the people, he said, what is this that you're doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? And Moses said to his father-in-law, because the, the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and another. And I make them, uh, I make them know the, 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 the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you're doing is not good. You and the people with you will certainly wear yourselves out. Now, not just Moses. Now, you gotta understand this. Jethro is this independent third party and he's looking at this and he says, listen, the way things are being done, it's not good for you and it's not good for the people. Like, this isn't good for anybody. Let's keep reading. And he says, um, well, I lost my spot. Hold on a second. You and your people with you is certainly well yourself. Verse 18, verse 19, or sorry, end of verse 18. You are not able to do it alone. Verse 19, now obey my voice and I'll give you advice and God be with you. you. Shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. It says, moreover, look for able men from, from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they'll bring to you, but every small matter they shall, um, uh, they shall decide it themselves. So it'll be easy for you, and they will bear the burden with you. And if you do this, God will direct you. You'll be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you for the timelessness of it, Lord, that, 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 that even, 
this text, Lord, that was written so long ago, God, is still applicable to us today in some real and powerful ways. And so, Lord, I pray today that, that God, you would open our hearts, that you'd open our minds, God, that we would receive the word that you have for us, that we would be able to, that your Holy Spirit would teach us and guide us and lead us through this text, Lord, and that you would help us to apply it to our lives. God, there is nothing more in this world that we need than you. And God, we need you each and every day. And so, Father, we pray that, that God, as we open your word, Lord, that you would give us sustenance for your soul because we know that it is the bread of life. We know that it equips us and that it encourages us and that, Lord, when it needs to, it convicts us. And so, Father, we pray that it would do those things for us this morning. That, God, you would help us to see how glorious and wonderful you are. God, that you would help us to see that though we may not understand the things that are happening right now, Lord, you are preparing us for something that may lie ahead. God, you're revealing something about yourself to us. Or, God, you're preparing us for what, for what the future may hold. And so, God, I pray that as we have gathered together collectively, Lord, this church that you have built, that you have blessed and then, God, that you desire to use, God, that you would help us to see that you are at work. And, God, we give you the praise for the things that you have done, the things that you are doing, and, God, the things that you will do. For it's in your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So as we get into this text today, we've got to understand what, mo what God is preparing these people for. So you see, freedom and, this, and, and wandering in the wilderness was okay. It was much better than Egyptian slavery, though sometimes you, you doubt that the people of Israel understood that whenever you're reading the text. You know, there is a several times in the preceding chapters where they ask Moses, did you drag us out here to die? Did you, because they didn't have this or they didn't have that. There were a few times you see him say, well, it would be better for us to go back to Egypt to be slaves. But God knew what he was preparing his people for. He was preparing to send them into this land that was flowing with milk and honey, that was flowing with, with blessings and all the things that they needed, but he had to prepare the people before he could lead them to the place that they were to go. And so as we read the text this morning, they are in this place where they are getting ready uh, to, to, to receive the Ten Commandments, that they're getting ready, that they're being prepared to go into the land that God has blessed them, but there is a preparation that must take place. And so you see that these people are getting ready to enter into a new season. Now, seasons are not something that are, are foreign to us as, as, as Missourians or people in the Midwest. We know that there are, are significant seasons. We know that there's summer, winter, uh, fall, and spring. We know that there are changes in the weather, though sometimes they are getting less and less different as the years go on. But seasons, we know about those seasons, even in life, that there are, are seasons. And we've got different seasons represented in our church. We've got young people sitting in here that are you know, in, in, in a season of their life where high school, where they're in high school, others that high school is getting ready to end and they're about to enter a new season. Then we've got college graduates that have entered yet another new season. Then we've got people that are starting families and they're entering into a new season. And you've got families, people that have children and they're in this other season. You've got people whose kids are graduating and moving out and there's this other season. You then you've got these little ebbs and flows of life where, where you have seasons of difficulty followed by seasons of blessing. Like there, this idea of seasons is nothing different. But when we apply it to the larger uh, idea of the church, that there are seasons in the church. And these people, for Israel, they are getting ready to enter into this, to a new season with the Lord 
and God is preparing them. And at just the right time, God brings in Jethro to speak some wonderful truths to God's people to help prepare them for what this future is gonna look like. And so if you're taking notes this morning, uh, three things we're gonna talk about today is that new seasons bring new systems. New seasons bring new systems. Now, this sounds technical, but it's not, and this will apply to our lives, it applies to our church, it applies to everything, but new seasons bring new systems. Uh, when, when one thing we learn from the text and one thing we learn from life is this, when leaders do too much, the people receive too little. When leaders do too much, the people receive too little. We actually see this reflected in, in, in verse 19 when, when, when he says, listen, obey my voice and I'll give, it, give you advice and God be with you. You represent the people for God, teach them, warn them. But he says, look for, for able men, uh, because if you don't, he says, listen, it's gonna consume you and the people, like you're, gonna, you're all gonna be burned out. It's not efficient, it's not effective the way that you are leading these people right now. There's, got, there's another way. And so their leader needs help. Now, this is what some people will say, well, you're the leader, so lead, right? Like we say that sometimes, don't we? Well, you're the leader, you, you do it. But nowhere in the scriptures do we find that really maintained. As you see, here's the thing about, about, about ministry as a whole. And we've spent a whole lot of time talking about this. And this is really kind of a bridge off of that, that the series we did on Romans chapter 12. When God brings together a group of people, a body of believers, all with different interests and talents and abilities, and we are individual members, but we are collectively one body. We're not all heads, we're not all feet, we're not all hands, we're not all noses, we're not all ears, we are all different parts knit together in God's body. But the thing that we have to understand is that new seasons bring new systems and that sometimes the way that, that we have a tendency of getting comfortable and the way we've always done things isn't always the most effective or the most efficient when we're moving for, in order to prepare us for the place that God wants to take us. And it was the same way with, with, the, the, with God's people. They say, uh, and, and so uh, you know, we've had these guys here and they're wanting to, and Moses says, listen, or, or Jethro says, you need to use these guys and, 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 and let them carry some of this load. And so the interesting thing here for us that we need to understand is that, that God uses our serving that when you and I, when we step into ministry, we step into an opportunity that God uses us in our serving. You see, God doesn't use us to get ministry done. God uses ministry to get us done. Let me say that again. God doesn't use us to get ministry done. God uses ministry to get us done, to do in us the work that God desires to do. And he uses that in our lives to get us where he wants us to be. And so some of us will say this, well, I don't have time. I'm busy. I've got this going on. I've got this going on. Well, here's, I think, what God would say to us. What God wants for you is for you to serve him and his church so that everything else in life falls into its proper place. You see, here's what we have a tendency of doing sometimes. We give all our best to everything else and God merely gets what's left over. Now you tell me what God could do with a people, a church 
that said, you know what, God, we're gonna seek you first, your kingdom first, and your righteousness, and all these other things will be taken care of. But we're gonna give ourselves, we're gonna devote ourselves to you. We're gonna give ourselves to you. And see, that may be a departure, this idea of new systems. That may be a departure from our current mentality. That we put preference over some things and then church is an accessory or Christ is an accessory. It is what we do when we have time left over. Then we do ministry. We don't look, view everything in our life as an opportunity for ministry. We don't view everything in our life as an opportunity to let God's love and grace and mercy flow through us to a world that is in desperate need of it. And so it may be a new system, a new way of thinking for us to say, you know what? I'm gonna use my job as my ministry field. I'm not gonna wake up in the morning and, and, and dread going to work because God has given some people in that place that are trapped and they have to listen to me. They can't go anywhere. So I'm gonna let them know as much about Jesus as possible. Well, I don't have time, my kids are playing My kids are playing this or my kids are doing that. Listen, don't train your children up to believe that activities are more important than God's house. Let me, let me, no, let me, let me rephrase that so we put the emphasis in the right place. Don't let your children grow up to think that activities are more important than placing God first in their lives. There ain't a person in here that didn't have something else they could be doing this morning. Whether it's sleeping or eating, or just hanging out on a nice, beautiful day. But listen, we raise our children up in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And so raise them up. And this may be a new system for us, but listen, new seasons require new systems. We have to change the way that we think. We have to change the way that we've been looking at things to say, God, what do we need to do in order for us to effectively and efficiently minister to people? What can we do to give you the greatest chance, God, to do what only you can do? And so we stop and we think and we, we, we ask that. You know, we, we look around and, and I believe this, sometimes God blesses us in spite of what we're doing, not because of what we're doing. You ever feel that way? I asked a, a preacher last weekend, although the pastor of, of Grace Fellowship, I said, hey man, you ever think it's funny what God's doing despite you? And he goes all the time and I'm like, brother, me too. You know, there are times that God does things in spite of us Instead of, doing, instead of responding to what? And so my, my point is this. I think sometimes we take a look and we go, well, you know, things are okay. Things are okay. Some of us might say, you know what? Things are even good. But is okay all that God wants? Is good all that God wants? Is that why he sent his son Jesus so that like, we could just be like content and just be like, oh, you know, things are good. And sometimes I look around and I think, man, God, what, what do you want to do? What, what, do, what can, can you do? What could you do? And then I get to thinking like, man, what, what if we just like surrendered ourselves and just said, Lord, would you just use me? However you see fit, however you desire to do that, would you just use me? And that may be this new system 
For us as a church, it may be a departure from the way that we've always done things and we start tweaking with things and dating things and looking at other, other ways of doing things in an effort for us to be able to reach more people. Like I'll give you a couple things that, we're, that, that, I, that are going through my mind now. Let me, let me explain something to you now while I got you all here. Any decision that we make as a church is not made on a whim and it's not made, made in a fraction of a second. Any decision we make as a church has been prayed about, it's been thought about often for months in advance before we do anything and act on it in any way. There's planning, there's preparation, there's different things that need to, that need to take place before we branch into something. But let me give you a couple things. I'll, as we look around this morning, we put in, new, we put in these seats and did it, you know, the face of it. One, we needed some stuff, but the seats was an effort for us to expand our seating a little bit, to make things a little bit more comfortable, to get some more people in the church. In the time since we have done this, we have already met the 80% capacity for this church. 80% in the church world and in in restaurants and everywhere else, 80% is a glass ceiling that you will bump against. You'll never break through it. You'll never get bigger than than roughly 80% of of your capacity. And so we look around this morning. Did we get a count this morning? How many were there, Wade? 187. 80% of the number of chairs we have in here this morning is 192. So one of the things that we've been thinking about, what do we do to free up some space to get more people that we can have? Because every seat, I want you to listen to me, every seat is a soul. Every seat is an opportunity. Every seat we can fill with someone who's not currently in church is one more soul that we get to see saved. It's one more life that gets changed. It's one more marriage that gets rescued. And if we stop and we say, you know what, I'm not interested in doing anything to help this church grow. We are declaring to the the community of Lebanon, Missouri that we don't care about you. We don't love you. And if you burn in hell, we don't care. Now we may not say that, we may say the right things, but what we're showing them is something completely different. So that's one area that we're having to look at our systems in. Another area that we're looking at our systems in is our children's department. And here's why. If you were to get up and walk downstairs, you're gonna see teachers in a classroom crammed with kids because the classrooms are too small for the number of students we have going in there. Each year we have to modify the way that we, that we have the kids divided up because every year we have, less and we have less volunteers and we have more students. So you'll have 14 to 20, 14 to 20 students in a classroom downstairs. And so we're looking at ways, how do we, how do we, how do we deal with this? We, like, it's not as easy as us going, hey kids, go home, right? We would never say that. But at the same time, as a parent, you've got 14 kids crammed in a room. I'm going, now, wait a minute. What can we do about this? And so it's going to change some of the ways that we do our systems. And it's not change for change's sake. It's not, well, I'm bored with this. Let's do something different. Now, on a Sunday morning, we say, hey, this is what we're going to do. But we have to understand that if we want to be where God wants us to be, and I don't know what that looks like. Like, I wish I could say it's this or it's that or here's what God wants for us. But here's what I'm convinced of. I have felt for years that we are scratching the surface of the, of the uh, opportunity that God has given us. That we are scratching the surface of the talents and abilities of our people to allow us to reach more and more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
that we gain some momentum and we squander because we're not really, we wanna grow kinda, but we're not really enough that we wanna really do anything different. And so we, we hit this glass ceiling and we fall back down. We hit this glass ceiling and we fall back down. And listen, I'm not a numbers guy. Like I could, it does not affect me at all. But here's the thing. In some ways, numbers have to be important for us because it is people we are reaching with the gospel. And what are we put on earth to do? We are here to worship God. Like that is number one, we worship God. And as believers, our number one task is to reach people with the gospel. Like that is what we are to do. There is nothing else. It's not, well, let me work and then share the gospel with people. It is we share the gospel with people. We tell people about Jesus. That is what we do. It is what we should be known for. But unfortunately, like, it, it's not always the case. Like how, when, when you meet somebody new, what's the first way you describe yourself? Hey, I'm so-and-so and I share my name. And I'm a teacher or I'm this. So we've got to change the way that we think. Guys, we are, we are Christians. We are followers of Jesus. We are disciples And as we enter into this new season, or we're preparing for this season that God has for us, it's gonna require some new systems, some new ways of thinking, some changes in some ways that we might do things. I know these things are gonna be things that we're just gonna slam on you in one week, but I want you to know some of the things that we are thinking about as your pastors and as your leaders, like we are thinking about these things, about what God wants to do in us. And I wish, I wish for one moment, and please hear me on this, I wish you could see what I see when I look out amongst this group of people. I wish you could feel what I feel when I say to you, there is no place in Lebanon like what we have right here. I wish you could know that the, 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 the emotions that flow through me when I say there are people out there that would come to church if they could find something like this. But in a church, when a community that has as many churches as we have, they're not going to trip over us on accident. They need the invitation extended to them. We need to get them in the doors. We need to love on them. We need to share with them the gospel. And as the ones who invite, if I invite, if you invite, whoever invites them, then we follow up. Did you understand everything the pastor was saying this morning? Do you have any questions? Well, at the end of the service, he asked for a response. And I just want to know this morning, like today, like, how, how, do you need to respond to that? Like, you know, are, are you saved? Do you know what would happen to you if, if, if for you life, you know, where we follow up with that. Listen, I'm not the only one in here that can pray a prayer of salvation with, with a person. I'm not the only one here that can lead a person to Christ. In fact, that is a, a blessing and a privilege that God has given every single one of us that has air, that has air in our lungs, that we get to share Christ with people, that we get to ask them if they would like to, to trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior and place their faith in his finished work on the cross. We get to do that. Amen. There ought to be more than one amen to that. Amen. Like we get to. But it takes that step of faith. It takes us changing the way that we think. So new seasons require new systems. I spent a lot of time on that. I'm gonna try to break down these next two. 
I did spend a lot of time on that. Number two, we might need to break. You know what? Quickly, number two, new seasons require new servants. New seasons require new servants. What does Jethro tell Moses? He says, go find you able-bodied men who fear the Lord and won't take a bribe. Now, that's paraphrased, but that's the gist of what Jethro tells him. New seasons require new servants. Additional people to step up. Additional people that will say, you know what, I'm in. Point me in the direction that I need to go. New people that say, you know what, right now, I'm not currently using my gifts and my spiritual gifts and my abilities. I'm not using them for God's kingdom. In fact, in the organism of the church, you're operating with one hand cut off because because I'm not doing what God has called me to do. I'm not doing the thing that God has, has led me to do. I'm not doing the things that God has gifted me to do. In fact, some of you, it may not even be about gifting. It's just about, I'm just not doing anything at all. Like I'm just, I show up on Sunday, show up at 10 o'clock. As soon as Andy's long-winded hot air gets over with, like I leave, I'm not really doing anything. But new seasons require new servants. We won't get where God wants us to be until we're all using the gifts that God has, has blessed us with. Because we need you. And listen, there is not a person in here who's, who's all washed up. Well, God's used me as much as he can use me. I'm done. Nope, sorry, not true. There's not a person in here who doesn't have talent. In fact, I think there's a lot of you like Chris Rushing. I've known Chris for t- the better part, well, all 10 years. Like he's been here the whole time I've been here. And longer, some of you guys have known him longer than that. Did you know that dude could sing? Did you know that? What do we not know about you? What'd you say, Stace? See what I mean? See what I mean? Now listen, what do we not know about you? What talent and ability do you have where you get up there and you sing like... The first thing that came to my mind was like a combination of Fergie and Jesus. Some of you will get that, some of you won't. But you get this idea of like, the, of this talent and ability that is, is floating under the surface that somebody just needs to draw out and God is drawing that out of some of you. Like he wants to say, you've got this thing that you can do, but you don't think you have this thing, but you've got this thing and you need to use that thing. And quit hiding it like it's not. Listen, that was fantastic, Chris. And I sent him a text that week because I heard that song come on the radio. And I would listen to Chris sing that song a hundred times over before I'd listen to those professionals sing it. And they do a great job too. But man, that's Chris. Like that's, that's my man. Like that's, that's my people, right? And you know what? If he'd have got up there and butchered that, I might've said the same thing about it. Why? Because at some point you got to try some things on to see how they fit. You can't just go through life saying, well, I'm not good at anything, but you don't try anything either. Try something on. If it doesn't fit, leave it in the dressing room. Find the thing that does. 
And there is something here for every person in the church. You don't preach, that's okay. That's okay. You've got something else. You don't teach, that's okay. You got something else. You don't sing, that's fine. You've got something else. And there are things in the church that we need, that we stand in dire need of. You guys, if you're here this morning, you're gonna learn something about, if you're here, if you're new this morning, you're gonna learn something new. If you've been here for a while, you know this. I have a whole lot of shortcomings. Like I have a lot of things that I am terrible at. And guess what? That's okay because the things that I'm bad at, you guys are good at. And the things that maybe you're not so good at, maybe I'm good at, or maybe I'm not, but the person sitting next to you is. So don't say I've got, well, I can't do this, I can't do this. Well, tell me the two or three things you can do. And let everybody, let someone else worry about those things you can't. You focus on the things you can. But you gotta say yes. You have to say yes. How do people get started in serving in the kingdom of God? They say yes. Man, it is that simple. And why do they say yes? Let me give you three reasons why they say this, say yes. They love God. They love God. And they want God to direct their lives. They want God to lead them. They don't want to dictate to God what God needs to do in their life. They want God who, is the, who knows everything to say, God, you tell me what you want me to do. So number one, they love God. Number two, and this is going to sound self-serving, but it's true. They love their leaders. What did Jethro tell Moses? Moses, you can't do it all. It's not good for you and it's not good for your people. It's just not good. And so what does he tell Jethro to do? The same thing Jesus does with the disciples and the disciples do with followers. He empowers them to do their, to, he, he says, and you need to empower these men. You need to empower these godly, able-bodied, God-centered, gospel-centered people to do what God has gifted them. You need to empower them to do that stuff and let them do it. So you say yes because you love your leaders. You love them and you know they can't do it all. If they do it all, they're gonna get burned out. And you know what's worse than a burned out leader? No leader at all. No leader at all. And that's true in every organization. So we need new servants. So they love, they love God, they love their leaders. But let me tell you something else, why people say yes to serving, to being a servant, because they love their people. Because they love their people. And they say, you know what? I don't want things to be okay in Luke's life. I want things to be okay in Brandon's. I don't want things to be okay in Don. I don't want things to be okay. I don't want things to just be okay in their life. I don't want them to have to stand in line day and night waiting for their, 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 their disputes to be heard. I want them to stay in day and night waiting on these things to happen. I love them and I want to help them. And so what do we do? We say yes because we love our people. We say yes because we love our people. But new seasons require new servants. And number three, new seasons require new sacrifices. New seasons require new sacrifices. 
I'd be lying to say that there's a lot of things that we've tossed around, either Luke and I or the board or even other people in this church that I've used as sounding boards. We toss an idea and the idea gets, I get this. Ooh. You know what I mean? And not, it's not anything bad. It's just because it's gonna require sacrifice. If we want to be who God wants us to be, it's not gonna come on the terms that we determine. And it's not gonna come by us giving as little to God as, as is possible. New seasons are gonna require new sacrifices. If we want our children to know about Jesus, it's gonna take, and I use this term sacrifice loosely because I do not in any stretch of my mind think that serving in our children's ministry is a sacrifice. In fact, if you wanna know the honest truth, when I hear somebody use that phrase, it almost hurts me a little bit because you know what? I got two kids downstairs and I don't view that as a sacrifice for you to go down and teach my kids about Jesus. In fact, it's almost gotten to the point that I'm gonna have Luke, Luke may have to preach a month just so I can go down there and serve with those kids because it's not a sacrifice. It's a privilege. You guys remember the days when we had four kids in this church? Four, that's it. We had families leaving our church because there weren't enough kids. And now we have 60 on any given Sunday. 60 students in the fifth grade and down. It's not a sacrifice. It's a blessing. It's a privilege. It is, a, it is something that God says, listen, you are going to love these children. And as long as we love them and as long as we serve them, God is going to continue to give them to us to share the gospel with them. But if we don't, you know what he's gonna do? He'll take him away and he'll send him to a church who will. And so let me tell you, let me talk to you men specifically this morning. If you're a man and you've not taken a month to serve downstairs in that children's ministry, see Luke and sign up. I don't want the boys of this church growing up and thinking that teaching is a woman's work. I don't want them, those boys growing up to be men that say, you know what, men don't teach in class. I want men to grow up and say, you know what, I wanna be a man who loves kids and I may not be the world's most gifted, but I can go down there and have a good time with them. I can give them a 10 or 15, 20 minute lesson and tell them about the love that Jesus has for them. And I can have a good time with them and I can let them know that there are men in this church who love them, who care for them and wanna see them grow up to be men who love Jesus. Men who will get their families and wake them up on Sunday morning and bring their families to church. Men that will be the spiritual leaders of their house and not expect the wife to carry that load along with the load that wives carry anyway. Now women, let me say this. Thank you for taking up the slack. The job that we as men should be doing and we're not and you're having to shoulder that extra burden, thank you. Guys, let's step up to the plate. New seasons require new sacrifices and it takes a village. It takes a church. Like this is a fellowship and a family and we love one another. New seasons require new systems. They require new servants. They require new sacrifices. And it is something that all of us must be willing to make so that one person is not sacrificing everything, but all of us are willing to add just a little bit more sacrifice to our lives. 
a Tuesday night for a men's group, a Tuesday night for a women's group, a, a something else or maybe another group that meets, needs to meet. And I don't have a clue about it. Men's group got started because Brad said, you know what, I wanna create an opportunity for men to fellowship in the church. Just for us to get together and just fellowship. Get to know one another, talk to one another, build relationships. That's how Taco Tuesday got started. If you're a man, I'd like for you to go. I know you may not have to be able to go every week and that's fine. Find a way to go. Women's ministry, get plugged in. Sunday school, join a small group. Get plugged in so that we know how we can love you and serve you and bless you and pray for you. Get to know people. In the chair in front of you, okay? Let's wrap this up. In the chair in front of you, it may be in the floor, I hope not, but every seat has a rack underneath it. In the seat in front of you, there is a slip of paper, not in the pocket, on the rack on the bottom. Everybody grab that sheet and pull it out. Everybody. If you don't have one, it's because one of the kids drew on it, but we'll find another one for you. There's some extras up here on the front row. Hey, by the way, this front row is just as comfortable seating as the rest of the chairs in the church. I try not to spit too much, but I'll buy you a poncho if I do. Every single one of those has a, it's called a response card. Now here's, here's, what, here's where we're at right now. All this is great stuff in, 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 in theory, but it's gotta be applicable in our lives. This is a response card. Every single one of us has a next step that we need to take today. Every single one of us. Now here's the first one. You can't buy, be used by God if you're not a child of God. And so the first thing I want you to look at, and I want your names on these, okay? Because we need to know, I'm gonna put together a spread spreadsheet. It's gonna be all nice. I'm gonna do all administrative stuff on this, but I need your name. Listen, if you're here today and you're not saved and you want to be, will you check that box? Nobody's looking around. This is between you and God, nobody else. If you're here today and you are not saved, consider this your invitation. You check that box. You give this card to me or to Luke or to Ashley or someone in the church. You give this card to me and you are going to get called this week. You will. Because we wanna talk to you. This is the single most important decision you will ever make. is surrendering your heart and life to the Lord and trusting in him for his finished work on, what he has done for us, his finished work on the cross. If you're here today and you're not saved, will you check that box? Number two is this, I wanna join the family. Now this could be to a wide array of people. This could be to those of you who've been attending here for years and have never become members. Now is the time, this is your next step. This is a declaration. What does church membership mean? This is you saying, these, these are my people. They are my people. I am theirs and they are mine and I wanna love them and I wanna support them and I wanna encourage them and I wanna lift them up and I wanna come alongside them and I wanna bear with them. These are my people and I'm gonna commit to them and they're gonna commit to me. So when we say all in favor, say I, and we all say I, that is our commitment to the families of this church to say we're gonna walk beside you and help you and love you. Like that's what we're doing. And so you're committing to us and we're committing to you. There's no monthly membership. We're not gonna be checking your tithes and making sure that you're given 10%. We're not gonna be doing background checks to find out what your salary is, to know you're paying 10%. It's not a country club. It is you saying, I love these people. I wanna be a part of these people. I wanna commit to these people. And some of you need to take that step. That's your next step. I wanna be committed. Some of you already are. 
But you know what? There's something about, it's like, I would liken it to this. It's like marriage a little bit. Like you can pretend, oh yeah, well we're married, we're married in heart, right? But it's another thing to stand before the people and say, you know what? We are publicly affirming our commitment to you and you are publicly confirming your commitment to my family and we're gonna love one another well. And for some of you, that's the step you need to take. Number three, I wanna start using my spiritual gifts. Now there's a whole lot of lines there. That is places where you can share with us what you feel like your giftedness is. Maybe it's prayer, maybe it's, it's something, but you know what that gift is. You know some specific ways that you can use that in the church or maybe some ways that you're already using it in a less organized way. We wanna know about those gifts so that when we need something, like we need someone to, you know, hospitality, or we need something organized, we know the people we can call. Now, maybe you don't know your gifts, then check that next box. Say, listen, I wanna serve, I wanna use, but help me discover my spiritual gifts. Help me to discover those things that maybe I'm just naturally turned to. Maybe you've been a Christian for 30 years. Listen, don't assume that what your spiritual gift was 30 years is your spiritual spiritual gift now. Different seasons require different sacrifices. And you know what? We have a God who gifts us with the things that the church needs, the times that the church needs them. And so it may be that over the years, God has shifted your heart. Maybe it's away from administration and maybe it's more toward compassion and mercy showing. But I want you to write these things down, okay? Write that down. If you don't know, let us discover it. Number, the next one, I'm, I'm in and I'm ready to help. Not only do you know what your spiritual gift, but you're saying, listen, I just want to help. So there's two options on this one. One, give me a place that you want to help. If you're a dude, write down the age group that you'd like to teach the most. And let us plug you in. If there's some, something that you enjoy doing and you think it can be used for the ministry, write that thing down and we'll talk about it, how we can shape that into a ministry of the church. But find something. I, I'm in, I want to serve, I want to help. Here's where, or here's something else you can check. Boy, I'll check anywhere. I got a strong back. If you need help setting up tables, call me. I'll be there. But I'll help anywhere. Now, this is one of those things where, you know, we're going to know it's different. But anyway, if you're willing to help anywhere, you just check that box. Say, you know what, I'll help. All you got to do is call and ask, and I'll help. Here's the thing. Some of you are really good to help, but you want to be asked. And I understand that. This is your opportunity to be asked in specific places or just in general. Because we're gonna have a spreadsheet and our ministry leaders are gonna have this and they're gonna know who they can call on when they need help setting up some tables. So when our women have a ministry event and they need tables set up, they're gonna know that they can call Brandon and Andrew and Russell and they're gonna come over on Saturday morning and they're gonna set the tables and chairs up. And then they're gonna let them know the time they're gonna be done. And either them or another group of men will come in. Listen, we can all do that. But it's not Luke and I having to go over and set tables up and then tear, and tear tables down. So write that down. And then number, three, number four, let's just be honest this morning. Can we just be honest? Some of you may need to check this. I have excuses. Just check it. I have excuses about why I'm not serving. Your excuse may be you're not good enough. Your excuse may be that you feel inadequate. Your excuse may be that, you know, frankly, I'm just selfish. I don't know what your excuse, but can we just be honest with that? And by checking that box, listen, this is no judgment. This is us having earnest desire to see Jesus explode in your life and for you to experience him in a way that you've never experienced him before because you're not living in his will. 
And so we wanna help walk through these excuses with you and help disarm them. And just say, you know what, we just wanna love you and we wanna show you how God can use you and how God might move in your life. And so let us walk with you then. And just be honest, be like, listen, man, I got some excuses. And listen, this isn't a pressure into serving. And I know, man, I'm pressing, but listen, this is not a pressure into serving. This is what this is. For everything that God has done for us, this is God's invitation to us to be living sacrifices for him and to experience his blessing and his love in ways we never have before because we've never taken the time to just serve him. We've not taken the time to say, God, you are first. Let me give you, can you imagine, can you imagine if we were to say, God, I'm gonna give you my best, like my best at everything, my best time of the day, my best efforts, my best everything, I'm gonna give to you and I'm gonna trust you to take care of everything else. I'm gonna give my best to you. And God, you do through me what you desire to do. Folks, I'm telling you, we're not gonna have any seats in this church left over. That baptism will never be empty. These pews, will ne- these, these, these altars will never be vacant. We'll have people here all the time. But if you're expecting one person to do the job of the church, it'll, it'll never happen. The church will grow, not in conjunction with its leader, but the church will grow in conjunction with its people. As we grow as a church, as we grow as individuals in relationship with the Lord, then the church begins to grow. And we've experienced that over the years. But God is preparing us for something greater.